welcome to the Empowering Agency Workers, a podcast for all temporary workers. If you're unsure of your rights, unsure how to find work, or just plain unsure, we're here to help. It's all too easy to be exploited, so your expert host, Julia Kermode, will empower you to succeed. Welcome to today's podcast. I'm really pleased to have with me two special guests here to talk about the loan charge and a new settlement proposal that they've put together. And so with me, I've got Sarah Gabay, tax lawyer, and she helps clients resolve complex um, UK and international tax issues. And she actually appeared on Moneybox talking about this very subject just very recently. And also with us is Keith Gordon, who is a tax barrister and He's previously been a chartered accountant, a chartered tax advisor, and he's also very active in the loan charge space. So really warm welcome, both of you. It's lovely to have you here. Thank you very much, Julia. Thank you. Um, So, Keith, can I start with you, please? Um, What is the loan charge and how did it come about? I can probably answer those two questions in one go. The loan charge is a piece of tax legislation, Mm. but it's unusual because it is widely thought as a statutory device to cover up decades of incompetence by HMRC. Okay. In that there have been various arrangements in which people have been paid in ways that the revenue didn't like. Yeah. But they did nothing about it for years. And it led to a situation that the revenue should have been pursuing the people paying the workers rather than Mm -hmm. the workers themselves and they failed to do that into good time and they suddenly found themselves unable to collect the tax they wanted right so the loan charge was introduced specifically to ensure that the revenue could get the tax by another route from the workers that they had failed to collect originally from the payers. Wow. Okay. So, um, so just trying to condense that down in my little brain. Um, it sounds like HMRC should have collected money in, and they brought they brought together this piece of legislation to enable them to do that job that they should have already done. Have I understood that correctly? You've got it exactly. Okay. Okay. Well, now that's that's interesting, isn't it? I mean, um, Sarah, did you have anything to kind of add to, to that? Because I'm I'm sure I've made it too simple, haven't I? <laughs> well no, I mean I think it I think that's what Keith says is absolutely right. I mean basically mm. just what it's what the loan charge purports to do is counter-disguised remuneration schemes that have been designed to circumvent existing anti-avoidance rules. So basically, the way it works from a technical standpoint is that it applies to the outstanding balance of any loans or other similar non-taxable amounts that have been paid to taxpayers through the use of these schemes and which are outstanding on the 5th of April 2019. And it goes back to loans that have been made to affected taxpayers on or after 9th of December 2010. So it's quite far reaching. Wow. And so it basically stacks these loans that the taxpayer has received and taxes it all in one great big lump sum. So you can imagine how that impacts people who have been dragged into these schemes inadvertently Mm. in most cases Mm. um 
and 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 these people suddenly end up seemingly out of nowhere with tens of thousands of of pounds in tax to pay and an additional sting in the tail is that many of these so-called loans which are taxed as earnings under this particularly pernicious piece of legislation mm. um are actually being treated as contractual debt claims by the lenders of record, and so they're be- so they're facing a double whammy, oh, where wow. the taxpayers are being sued for the balance of this of the of, of the of the repayment of the loan, mm. um, and also being pursued by HMRC for outstanding tax debts believed to be due. Gosh, so. That's that's huge, isn't it? That's not the only. That's not the only story. Go on. It's worse, um, because whilst I said that um, the revenue are wanting tax that should have been collected up front when the yeah. people were paid, when the people were put into these schemes, they thought they were signing up to schemes that ensured that their administration, invoicing and tax compliance was all completely fine. Right. And they were paying heavily for this. Mm. Typically, they were paying around about 18% of their gross income. Wow. In the ways of tax and fees. Gosh. Now, in their mind, they might have thought it was 16% tax, 2% fees. Yeah. But in practice, it was often 2% tax and 16% fees. Okay, okay. So these individuals were not better off by entering into these arrangements, because a lot of them would have otherwise acted through companies in which they'd be paying tax around about 20%. So they weren't much better off than the Mm. alternatives, Mm. but were led to believe that not only were they marginally better off, but they had all their compliance dealt with and inbuilt costs. But what they didn't realise was that these scheme promoters were effectively using an interpretation of the legislation to convert their tax liability, which would have been collected under PAYE, into a fee for the promoters. Wow. So these individuals, have it's not as if they are now having to pay tax that they should have paid originally. They've already paid it just under a different heading. So that's actually a really common misunderstanding I've found in the bits I've done around, around the loan charge, because there is a perception that that the people who have been involved in the loan charge have benefited somehow by not paying tax for kind of 10 years, five years, however long they've they've been involved. But what you're saying is that that's not the case. They haven't had a material benefit um, because they've been paying such heavy fees to the loan charge promoter, to the loan scheme promoters, sorry. That's true. That's, there is, it also depends on how you look at these arrangements because Mm. If someone was lucky enough to be earning more than 30 to 40,000 pounds and would be in the 40% tax bracket, mm. then yes, 18% is still a long way short of yep. 40%. Yeah. However, most of these individuals working as contractors would typically have operated through a limited company in which okay. the tax payable was considerably less, roughly 20%, went down yeah. to 19 as well in more recent years. But the problem with working through a limited company is the revenue then uses legislation known as IL35 to say you shouldn't be acting through a limited company. Now, the revenue have had mixed success when using this IL35 legislation to to attack people, but Mm -hmm. most people didn't want the risk. 
So they were scared away from using limited companies, not because they were not appropriate for them, but they didn't want to have to deal with a revenue investigation, which would just be completely draining on their time and resources. Yeah. You know, yeah. These are one person companies. They don't have a whole outfit to deal with yes. the, the legal um, challenges as well. So they were sold something which was IR35 compliant hmm. and dealt with all the invoicing requirements that small, you know, most small businesses have problems of trying to balance doing the work, earning some money yeah. and the admin. This yes. was an admin solution. So the tax savings aren't as great as some people would like to lead you to believe. Yeah. But yes, yeah. they were actually out there trying to comply. In fact, the one case that has been heard by a tribunal on this particular point is a case called Hoey, H-O-E-Y. Hey. And the tribunal judge made it very clear that Mr. Hoey wasn't seeking to avoid tax. Mm-hmm. He was trying to buy in a an admin solution. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, and even if, if you, even if you take the extreme case of these people knew that they were taking a risk, and I don't think most of them did know they were taking a risk with their tax, mm. but even if you um, put into their mind they were taking a risk, the revenue knew what was going on. Okay. Um, there's an, a set of legislation known as DOTAS, Disclosure of Tax Avoidance Schemes, yep. and these schemes were disclosed to the revenue. The users get to put details on their tax return. I am using this particular scheme. That leads to an almost automatic inquiry being opened by the revenue. And the revenue, in most cases, did open these inquiries at the time. Yeah. And the standard letter says, if we find anything wrong with your tax affairs, we will tell you. But if you get a letter like that in 2005, and they haven't told you that something's wrong, you'll carry on into 2006 using yeah. these arrangements. Yeah. You've got nothing to worry about. Or 2007. And a lot of these people not only got these letters in 2005, 2006, but heard nothing from the revenue until 2015, 2016, 2017. Wow, so, 10 years later. <laughs> and they all say, if only the revenue said, we don't like this, they'd have run a mile. They were trying to comply. They weren't trying to avoid tax. Yeah. And th- this is one of my big frustrations, actually, is that um, these people are painted as tax avoiders and, and people that have kind of made um, made a lot of benefit out of being in these schemes. And, you know, what what in your experience, Sarah, is the impact on, on contractors that have been in these schemes? Well, I mean, the, it, it's been, um, in a word, very significantly detrimental to mm. their financial position, ranging, and, and that in turn has had... Um, pretty some pretty devastating consequences um from being a significant financial burden at one end to suicide at the other end it's um it's pretty horrific um but wherever they sit on the spectrum there's no doubt that hmrc's current approach of relentlessly pursuing affected taxpayers for these sums is just not sustainable and it's just completely pointless frankly yeah um it's I mean, the, the the impact, as Keith has been saying, and, and he's put it way better than I could ever do, 
is that that the problem is that these people are wrongly perceived as tax avoiders Mm. and it is so easy to get sucked into these schemes inadvertently and many of them didn't even know they were being dragged into a scheme and many of these schemes are actually a precondition of of signing up to um signing up to one of these contracts the end client then pays the umbrella company who then passes that payment on to the worker but only a small amount like a, a equal to the national minimum wage is um is put through payroll and subject to pay pay as you earn income tax and the rest of Mm. it it's treated as a loan and it's non it's not taxable it's basically a financial scandal and it should be viewed I think it ought to be viewed by HMRC as such and there are some people who say well it's probably not um it's not a case of mis-selling because H tax advice isn't regulated and it, we're not talking about regulated products but mm. I don't necessarily agree with that argument I think that we are talking about a a type of mis-selling even though it's we're not necessarily within the realm of of dealing with a regulated product yeah it is the the effect is the same yeah and i i do get very frustrated on behalf of of people that have been missold and there seems to be a concept that you should have somehow known that that your money wasn't being taxed appropriately and i just find that impossible to to kind of understand especially when you're a self-employed contractor doing work doing whatever assignment it might be um you know whether it's a large it contract whatever it might be you're busy doing your work i mean who who checks their payslips properly anyway whether you're an employee or or kind of someone um you know a, a contractor um and I, I just have so much sympathy for them. I mean, there was actually a case in the first tier tribunal. I think it's called White Collar Financial. And the facts of that case showed just how easy it is to get sucked into one of these schemes, even when one does appropriate due diligence and mm. asks sensible questions about the tax aspects. So it's it's not simply an open and shut case of, oh, if it seems too good to be true, you should have hmm. perhaps thought twice. It's it, it's it, the, the problem is that there's this unfortunate perception of taxpayers, you know, not necessarily being savvy enough or perhaps being a bit naive. And I don't yeah. think that's right. I don't. I, I really don't. Um, and especially if because of all the fees being paid, um, to the promoters, the scheme promoters, you might be receiving about the balance you're expecting. You're not going to look into it in in any more detail. And Keith, this brings me back to something you had said um, at the start, which was kind of that HMRC should have already collected the the kind of tax that that was due. Um, what, in your opinion, how come they haven't gone after the 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 loan promoters when um, when it sounds like they should have? Because there are time limits in this tax legislation. Okay. What happened was these schemes evolved from a well used tax avoidance scheme, often used by wealthy business people, mm-hmm. in that. People had a spare half million pounds worth of profits in their company they yeah. wanted to extract 
And rather than pay tax on it in the normal way, it was believed that if you could structure it in the form of a loan, you would pay either no tax or much less tax. Okay. Yeah. So there were people who actually thought, oh, this is a clever wheeze. Um, <laughs> all the other wheezes we've used in the past have been blocked. This one seems to work. Yeah. And those in the tax profession, and I mean only those in the tax profession, knew that the revenue didn't like it. Because okay. from time to time, they took these cases to court mm-hmm. and they lost. Right. The revenues argument kept on failing. Wow. So it only gave encouragement to those in the know to say, you know, if the revenue says this, it's clearly wrong, and they keep on losing, and the revenue kept refused to take the case on appeal to mm. argue it further. So it mm. was perfectly clear the revenue's position was wrong. By 2013, the revenue had a this was about their fourth case, I think it was, which they tried, the case known as the Rangers case. Okay, yeah. And they lost at the first tier tribunal. They then actually, for the first time in this series of cases, actually decided to appeal against that decision to the upper tribunal and lost again, unsurprisingly, because the revenue's argument was so clearly wrong. They still weren't going to give up and took this to the third stage of the judicial hierarchy because it was in Scotland, the Court of Session. And the advice they got from their barrister was, you are going to keep losing this case unless you change the argument. Okay. And rather than taxing the loan, which is what the revenue wanted to do, yeah. the barrister said, if you want to get tax on these, you now need to look at the original payment of the fee to the umbrella company or the structure yeah. which is arranging this loan. Okay. That is a straightforward payment of salary and tax should be applied at that point. Right, okay. In other words... The revenues argument had always been wrong, but if you look at the facts in a different way and tax a different event in the series of transactions, Mm -hmm. you might get some success. And they got success Mm. in this court of session and again in 2017 in the Supreme Court. Okay. So what the Supreme Court confirmed is what the revenue had been saying to themselves and to the tax profession, but not to the wider world. These schemes do not work. Right. But what the Supreme Court also said is why they didn't work. And it's because these should have been taxed as employment income in the first instance. And as taxed as employment income, PAY should have been deducted. Okay. But the revenue by 2017 realized they had to, or they realized in 2015 when they changed their argument to the quarter session. The revenue said, but we have a problem. Yeah. We are now too late to attack the employers for non-deduction of PAYE. We've got all these open inquiries into the employees. But right. they have what's known as a credit for PAYE that should have been deducted. Right. So the revenue, it was now too late because of statutory time limits to go after the people who owed the PAYE. Oh, okay. And when I said at the beginning that this was a device to transfer the liability from the employer to the employee... The loan charge was the recognition that Rangers proved to be or could prove to be a pyrrhic victory for the revenue. Yes, they won the case, but it exposed over a decade's worth of administrative failings by the revenue. 
by wow. going after the wrong people. And the reason they're going after the wrong people is because historically they've been going after the wrong argument. OK, so all that time they should have, um, in theory, been going after whoever was paying that individual their loan um, and it should have been taxed at that point. But because the time had run out, in essence, a slightly different argument was created. Correct me if I'm wrong, by the way. No, but... you've got that completely <laughs> right. And under Freedom of Act in Freedom of Information Act disclosures, you've actually got the revenue stating that, and I think they've also said it in parliamentary committees, the loan charge will make it easier for us to collect the tax that was due without the aggravation of having to go to a tribunal. What they actually mean was, if we actually took cases to the tribunal, we risk losing because of the PAY credit. The loan charge is a way that avoids this slight problem of the law getting in the way of what we want gosh it's so unjust and now you've explained it like that that's finally a bit of the missing puzzle a a missing jigsaw piece in the puzzle in my mind Sarah perhaps you could talk us through you know I, I know some of the kind of outstanding amounts being billed to individuals is kind of in the region of six figure sums a hundred thousand pounds plus um and so I think there's a clear kind of rationale behind having this settlement that that you've been working on um could you tell us a bit more about about what it is that you, that you've come up with as as a potential solution because at the moment my understanding is we've got HMRC going after individuals for huge tax bills that these individuals can't pay um uh, and so This is where um, the settlement comes in, presumably. Although some of the taxpayer population affected by these schemes have already settled with HMRC prior to the 30th of September 2020 deadline, a sizable chunk of them, a sizable majority haven't because it's simply unaffordable, even with the the prior settlement. Um, So what this proposal aims to do is to address that Tax, that, that population of taxpayers who've not been able to settle with HMRC or who for some for some reason can't mm. um, because they still owe a great deal of money to HMRC mm. That, mm. And, and they can't afford to pay it, there's a, something of an impasse has been reached between HMRC and affected taxpayers. Sure. So what we have come up with as a solution which we hope will apply and be sat and be and, and be satisfactory in the in the eyes of those to whom it is intended to apply is a disguised remuneration settlement opportunity okay and what this settlement opportunity is supposed to do is resolve inquiries and encourage affected taxpayers to settle on individually negotiated terms and to ensure finality it should be affordable easy to understand and it should also ensure that where an individual had tried in the past to be compliant they are given credit as appropriate okay yeah if i can just add a bit of background yeah um you will be aware that the loan charge has been subject to a number of reviews one was Mm. an internal whitewash um, at the beginning of 2019, and then there was one which was purportedly independent, but there have been challenges as to quite how independent it was, conducted by Sir Amius Morse, now Lord Morse. Mm. And the revenue keeps on saying, we've accepted all of his recommendations bar one. 
But relevant to what Sarah's just been talking about is the one recommendation that the revenue rejected. And what Sir Amius said is that people who settle um, and make payments in instalments, after 10 years, any remaining instalments should be effectively terminated. In other words, people should get finality yeah. after 10 years. Yeah, yeah. And the revenue rejected that on the basis this gives this group of taxpayers more favourable treatment than any other taxpayer would get. Okay. But it forgets the fact that these taxpayers have been subject to less favourable treatment by the introduction of a loan charge than any other taxpayer would yeah. get. So it was a little bit um, disingenuous um, as a reason, but it looks as if the revenue, at least at the end of 2019, we're taking, we'll take as much as we can, we'll inflict as much pain as we can, and we're not going to apply a common sense rational approach to yeah. taxpayers wanting to move forward. So it's, this proposal um, hopefully will make them reconsider that approach. Yeah, and it, it's quite surprising actually when you think about how unpopular this makes the, the revenue seem um, and their kind of dogged pursuit of people who, who I, I think... I think even HMRC must accept that that some of them were duped into it. I don't think HMRC would necessarily ever admit to that. Um, I would love it if, if they if they did, but they they still seem, in my mind, to be projecting this image that 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 people consciously signed up signed up to these and are um, tax avoiders. This, this is where the Freedom of Information Act request disclosures have become quite interesting, mm. because the revenue recognise that people will say they've been duped. Yeah. And they also say, we can't ever admit to accepting that. In oh. other words, they know it's the case, but they are maintaining this public facade Gosh. that we will never, ever um, accept it. Wow. It's... But it's what one very senior member of the profession said once is that there are some, I think I quoted it, I've seen it a number of times on Twitter, there are some within the revenue who prefer a punishment strategy. Yeah. Now... I would say the loan charge and the way it's been defended would seem to confirm that approach. Yeah. Okay. And and I think there's been a few different kind of proposals over the years about what to do with, with the loan charge. Is this settlement proposal different to, to what's already been discussed? Our proposal essentially does not require taxpayers to admit fault it doesn't require that they admit tax avoidance because first of all because it would if if it did so it would force them into admitting something that 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 simply wasn't true yeah. in the vast majority of cases um and it, it it's it, the, the problem with a, previous settlement opportunities is that taxpayers who signed up to them and took advantage of them had difficulty subsequently looking for work looking for employment because because employers some many sectors don't hire don't want to hire people who have been involved in um okay. in tax avoidance schemes and who participated knowingly in these tax avoidance schemes and the irony is that previous settlement opportunities have actually been aimed at people who knowingly entered into tax avoidance schemes. And Keith mm -hmm. mentioned earlier that, um, that these people were, that the government was alleging that the um, 
users of disguised remuneration schemes were, be, were being treated more favourably than other taxpayers, when in fact the opposite is true. Mm. It's something of a, a, an irony that HMRC seems to be treating deliberate tax avoiders as you know, more favourably by giving them a settlement opportunity and not not the, the those who were involved in disguised remuneration schemes. Mm. So, mm. so there's there's something of an irony there, I think, that that these people are somehow being treated, in fact, less favorably, not just compared to the whole taxpayer population, but also by comparison with actual knowing tax avoiders. I think there is a problem institutional problem with the revenue i'm not blaming an individual but i think it's mm. they see people through their tax returns or yeah. through the light of their tax returns and therefore if they see less tax being paid than they think is due they have a view as to the individual they're not paying enough tax they are non-compliant mm. and they don't actually take a step back to work out why is this person being non-compliant yeah. why is this person paying less tax than we think is due they instinctively put the blame on the individual yeah. and I think that mindset causes is so entrenched in the revenue that it um, prevents them actually recognizing that these people could be victims for the revenue there's a tax liability to be settled mm-hmm. we will do what we can to get it yeah yeah and I suppose I suppose that is what the revenue is is there for but they they must be able to see the bigger picture, and I'm I'm really quite shocked that um that by by settling and having to admit that you're a tax avoider, then you've then got that marked against you for for the rest of your life. Then by the sounds of it, and it sounds extremely unfair. Well, yes, and I think that's one reason why we are specifically asking the government and HMRC if if they end up considering this proposal, which we sincerely hope they will, we were, we're asking them not to force these taxpayers to admit fault because, because it's clearly, it, it's just clearly unfair and very wrong. Yeah, yeah. My understanding is that there are quite a few MPs supporting some sort of resolution here, aren't there? I think the difficulty um, politically is that People do not want to be seen as condoning tax avoidance. Yes. No one here is yeah. actually condoning tax avoidance. But there is a perception risk that people will see um, an MP who stands out against the loan charge as supporting tax avoidance. Now, it's an unfair perception, mm. but people, particularly politicians with career ambitions, do feel slightly concerned about speaking too loudly, even if they're currently in opposition. I've actually seen one email from an MP, and I believe it to be genuine, who said to a constituent, I am 100% supportive of your concerns, Mm -hmm. and I would really like to speak out, but I fear that the whips are going to make my life hard for me. Oh, wow. And deny me other important deny me support of other important issues that i have gosh wow so um there are possibly more who are opposed to it who actually do care about it another area where i think might be 
possible ground for optimism, and maybe I'm just being too kind. But the disclosures from the Freedom Information Act requests mm-hmm. are getting increasingly embarrassing. Okay. And mm. if we look at the number of revelations there have been about various parties in Downing Street in the last uh, during yes. lockdown that have emerged in the last month, that eventually there becomes a tipping point. Yeah. And these disclosures are just showing more and more the lack of independence of the Morse Review, yeah. um, what the revenue knew, what they decided not to say at various times. Mm. And perhaps in order to stop the embarrassment getting too high, mm. they might actually think, well, actually, we can take the heat off this yeah. by considering this as a solution. Yeah, yeah. And it, it is it is a solution there, and it, it is very fair. Um, I I think anyway, as as kind of a, an onlooker. So so yeah, I mean I, I'm really pleased to have you both with us with us today. I think we've probably run <laughs> run out of time. So huge huge thank you for your time, and we will keep in touch. And if there's anything we can do um, here at iWork, let me know because we're big supporters of getting justice here. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Julia. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Empowering Agency Workers, hosted by Julia Kermode. For more information on today's discussion, please visit iwork.co.uk where you can also join our growing community. We hope you enjoyed today's episode, and if you did, then we would love you to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. We'll be back at the same time next week.